Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change, the podcast that will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. And it is good to be here with Effective Heart Change. Welcome, Dale. Thank you, sir. It's always good to sit down and have a good conversation. We're in the series, If Receiving is the Answer, and frankly, there's there's a second part that should happen with that, which is kind of like, well, why aren't we receiving, or how do we receive, or there's all kinds of things that you could do as a tagline in, in order to do that. And so far, we've, we've walked through a lot of the different pieces. We've talked about spiritually. Um, if you go back to the Bible and you look at the biblical foundation, you can see that there is a biblical foundation. And then you talk about receiving at a personal level. We, we walked through that. And then we talked about some of the developmental issues of if, if these things aren't in place, I just I don't even have the mechanisms to receive. Now we are at a point which is just kind of a whole different picture for the next however many we end up doing, but this one is called trauma because what happens is trauma is the point at which there's, there is a very genuine shutdown of our ability to receive that may be larger than just the moment. In fact, it actually can overshadow entire segments and sections of our lives. It's interesting me, uh, to me that uh, uh, my observation is that trauma, we major in trauma as Americans especially, that, that uh, it seems like everybody on a daily basis uh, is directed by the trauma, that, whatever trauma that is that they're dealing with, and, and uh, we obsess on our traumas. Uh, is that a natural thing? Uh, is that part of growth? I digress for a moment, but I've also written on PTSD. And I, I, again, I, I live in a trauma world. I work with a drug alcohol program. And so it's like daily, I'm, I'm encountering people in situations, high stress levels. And here's my theories for what it's worth. When what's on the inside is not strong enough to handle what's coming from the outside, then the outside overwhelms what's on the inside. We're, we're just being very basic here. So let's go back to character. If I have built godly character and there's a, there's a huge level of strength and I'm in the normal flow of things, I've not only built godly character, but I'm a person who prays. I'm a person who connects with God. I've seen the faithfulness of God. I've seen the goodness of God, and so I've got this faith covering, then when something from the outside hits me, not only do I have godly character, but I also have that other. I have my faith in God, and I've seen God intervene. I can stand up to some incredibly intense pressures at that point and not collapse. Uh, your description uh, immediately brought the Scripture to mind, put on the full armor of God. And, and uh, there were several things that she said in that, that that intimated you have an armor, you have help, you have, a, you have an outside covering that uh, uh, if you are conscientious about it, you put on on a daily basis. That's what Scripture says. Put it on every day. And uh, 
it will help you fend that off and maybe not spend so much time in trauma. If you look at what's been happening in our culture, we've seen the rapid breakdown of the family. And as the family is breaking down, what I believe, value is sown, especially from the father, but from the father and the mother, value is sown into the children. And so if that value doesn't get sewn in, there's a level of weakness. There's a fragility that's there in that character piece. So we've got this situation going on where you're seeing in our culture potentially more and more fragile people over an extended period of time. Then with the breakdown of of the family and all of the different things happening in our culture, you have more outside trauma showing. The amount of sexual abuse, uh, molestation, all of those different things, they're just off the charts compared to where we were 40, 50 years ago. So you've got high, high levels of outside stuff coming in, and it's hitting on people who are more and more fragile and less and less in touch with God. Well, guess what the result is? PTSD is everywhere, everyone all over the place. Once upon a time, that term was pretty much uh, limited to people who had been to war, and they'd been to highly chaotic, intense, grotesque situations that we're, as human beings, we're just not designed for that. So there's almost no amount of character development, connection with God that is prepared to handle that. And so next thing you know, we've got PTSD, and that's coming out of war zones. And that's To me, that's kind of a given. If you go through a high, high level trauma situation, of course you're going to get some of those reactions. And it's a matter of walking through them until we get to a healthy place. But what's happening, you're getting less and less character development, less and less sense of worth, sense of value, self control, all of those, and more and more as it were, small traumas day after day after day leading up to bigger and bigger traumas, you're getting a complete cut off of God. Guess what we have? We've got a mess. We ask the question, where did that come from? Uh, PTSD. Uh, before Vietnam, uh, I'm sure there was PTSD, but it wasn't so universal. It wasn't, it wasn't noticeable because most of us didn't serve in the military. And, and uh, starting with my generation, well, the world wars, uh, that was one thing. But then there were skirmishes all over the world, and we waded into many of them uh, with no objective. And, and without an objective, without a, a driving reason to be there, uh, other than to play peacekeeper or to uh, make sure our economy wasn't affected by whatever went on in that country, uh, it wasn't a good enough reason. Uh, but that, that whole part of the PTSD uh, now is apparent in all of society, and, and, we, and it's because we're vulnerable. We're not covered. And it's interesting you talk about the, the wars and the wars around the world. Well, it's one thing to go to war for a just cause, and I know that would set off another whole series of debates, and so I'm not trying to, trying to even go there. But if you're a soldier and you're in a war set setting, if you're a soldier and you're in a war setting and you really are convinced of the cause and you're 
convinced of the need to sacrifice and et cetera. Think back to that character piece. There's going to be a solidness there that you can absorb more grotesque stuff. But if I'm in a war that I'm not sure I should even be there, and I've been drafted, and I'm forced to be there, and I'm angry about it, and of course the 1960s had already hit, and so you've got all kinds of pieces starting to come into play in terms of character, in terms of relationship with God, is it a shock at that point that the Vietnam War produced a much higher level PTSD than we had had before? That totally fits the description that I laid out. And isn't it interesting? We've been talking about the, the, the parts of spiritual growth, and, and the first was safe, but an overriding concern on all of it is the, the sense that we need personally, I matter. And, and uh, the, the question that goes beyond that when we are in a collective group is, does this matter? And, and when it comes to question, uh, then you're more susceptible to be injured as not only as an individual, but as a society. It, it all works. I love the phrase, all things work by spiritual authority. As we're talking about this, I hope there's some people out there listening are like, this makes sense. And when you have a spiritual model that actually lines up with reality, it should make sense. Spiritual models aren't meant for Sundays off in a church and do this little part. No, they should literally be true and pervasive through all of our lives. We need to take a break, process where we've been, and then we'll continue. want to jump back in, again, back to the title, If Receiving is the Answer, and what is it that shuts down receiving, keeps us from going there? Because if we were receiving, uh, everything would change. I say over and over again, if in working with addicts, if I could somehow just pour value and worth into them, it's like everything would change so fast. So when you say if Repeat the, the If receiving is the answer. Okay. I, and I've had this thought four or five times already when you say that. What's the question? The question is, why are we still broken? You know, I mean, receiving would seem to be so easy. It's kind of like, well, duh, why doesn't it just happen then? Okay, thank you for clearing that up because uh, I, I can sit and look at the, at the printed page and, and you can say that, but I'm guessing that the folks that w- will choose to watch this are saying, now, what was the question? And, and so that's why I ask. And, and really, it's, it would look like it should just happen normally. And think about children. They normally grow. They normally go through stages. If something's not happening according to that normal healthy, we're like, what's wrong? What's stopping it? What's shutting it down? Spiritually, same thing. If people aren't growing through the stages, which we talked about, if they're not growing through those spiritual stages, why not? And if there's a one-word answer that I would give, it's receiving or blockages to receiving or whatever you want to put there. But if we are receiving in the right way, 
And then we have to do more than receive. We have to embrace. Heart change comes through heart choice. I can't just have it poured over me. I can have it poured over me and totally ignore it and not really receive it, not really drink it in. And that's actually somewhat where we've been up till now. You miss that personal relationship with God. You, you develop hardness. You develop coldness. You develop different things. And so it's like it's being poured over you, but you're just not getting it. So basically, we have a need to know. We have a need to know things. There are th- things that are vital to survival as an individual and as a, as a group, family, uh, nation. You take whatever, whatever realm you want to talk about. There are things that we need to know. And then there are things that are optional. Less important. Yeah. But, but that need, I used, my sister used to joke with me that I, I made her present a need. In fact, she still has it, and I probably have mentioned this before, but she still has a need-to-know card that I gave her, and whenever she'd ask me something, I said, I need to see your need-to-know card. <laughs> well, we need, to, we need to show our need-to-know card, and, and the big part is need to know what God has intended for us. I'm going to use the word important. I really believe that these series that we're doing right now are talking about some of the most important, significant concepts that really aren't often talked about in church. Absolutely. Because if you're not in that place of receiving, if you're not drinking in life and embracing it and building it into your character, then that outside pressure comes along and it crushes you and we've got broken person after broken person playing the victim swan song and just, you know, I'm, I'm a worse victim than you are, so oh, you, you better take care of me. And, and that, that just amounts to a sick society. I'm, I'm led in the direction of talking to a friend. Uh, I consider you a friend. We've, we've sat and talked about many, many different things. And it's the highlight of our relationship and my estimation because uh, we did it for a reason, and it was to share, but we both have been enriched by the fact that we're willing to dive into things and talk about them that are deeper than the normal. And, and I encourage anybody that's listening that, that they— recognize those folks in their lives that, that they can talk about important stuff and go deeper into it. There's your book again. And uh, be rewarded for, for being an active participant in that kind of relationship. You said need to know, and that is so vital. I mean, that's this stuff. If, if you don't know where the blockages are, if you don't know where the fountains are, to me, that's part of being born again. If you connect with God, and a lot of people don't, if you connect with God, you figure out where the fountain is, you can go back to that fountain. You can get a new drink over and over and over again. And a lot of people, their start with God isn't there. Their start with God is, let me try to argue you to this point of thinking. Okay, have I won my argument? Okay, now that I've won my argument, will you repeat this prayer? You're good to go. That person hasn't necessarily found the fountain. Once you've found the fountain, once you've connected with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit 
reaches inside of you and you're aware of that reaching inside and I get that Abba Father and it's like, whoa, God has adopted me. He's right here. He's ready to speak to me. He's ready to rescue me. He's, he's there. I mean, that is so radical. Receiving is radical, but we do so much of our lives just at an intellectual processing level that doesn't have the same depth, doesn't have the same reality of what we're trying to lay out in this series. And in our society, especially, one of the biggest points of futility is we start with the, our all-out effort to, to deny God, to deny that there is a God, that, that there is a seed in all of us that he's planted there, and, and what he desires for us is to know what he has for us to need to know. You know, it's interesting, two, two key things are used there in the name of science. Well, religion isn't factual. It's not solid. I'll tell you what, the stuff we're talking about is more solid than anything out there. And, and even scientists will tell you that if they're really being honest, that there's dynamics there. The, the breath of life, there's a dynamic about the breath of life that is like, it's really not measurable by chemistry. So you, you have all of that piece going on. You've, you've got the science. And then the other thing that was used to shut down our search for God is, well, freedom of religion. You know, freedom of religion has actually become freedom from religion. I, atheism is a religion. Absolutely. It is a belief system. So if you're saying God can't be brought into any of the public square, what are you saying? You're preferring a religion. You're preferring a religious point of view. And if you understand those things, we have literally shut down the receiving point, which is God. I believe there is a God who is personal, who loves each one of us, who will pour in and go back to what I talked about. There's the character of the person, but there's a huge part that is missing. If that's all I've got, you're missing that. My ability to connect with God and draw strength and life from God, you're missing either of those two pieces. Next thing you know, all of this starts to break down. Well, hopefully in the next segment, we can jump into faith and uh, really talk about its role, not faith in the sense of Christian faith, but faith in, in terms of my personal faith. We'll, we'll get there. We'll take a look at that after we take a break. I get so many just like you, you triggered lyrics and uh, at my normal two o'clock the other day, two a.m. Uh, I got my, I've got a box that has everything that, it, and uh, I actually started going through a section of that, and it was just amazing the the dovetails that go together in my thinking and what's been going on, and uh, I've decided that two a.m. is is God's time for me to sit and, and just wait and see what's, what's brought to light. 
So you have a time frame there that is becoming important to you. Oh, yeah. Why do you think 2 a.m.? I've always, I've, I've always loved the morning. Uh, I, don't like, I don't like daylight savings times because it's robbing from the wrong time of day. And I think it's for, for the pleasure of, of the people. Uh, it's, a, it's a people thing. It isn't a God thing. Uh, but uh, over the years, uh, the time has changed. I, I, before, four or five in the morning was more like what? But I think God, it's, <laughs> it's taken me a while to maybe grasp it. Uh, and that's maybe is, is not a necessary word there. It's taken some time for, for me to grasp the time, but it's a time where uh, through his presence and power, my thinking is, is clear. I've set aside my thinking. And, and that would be my answer. I'm the same way. When I get too busy, too caught up in stuff, Next thing I know, I'm wake, waking up. I'm still a young man. I'm waking up at 4 a.m., okay? I'm, I'm waking up at those hours, and I would go back to those are the hours where I have things kind of put away, they're kind of set aside, and there's actually room for God to speak in a way that I can receive. Now, that ends up being incredibly important because there are times when your channels are open there are times when your channels are closed. And one of the best words to describe open channel, closed channel, is actually the word faith. And it's not that you have faith or don't have faith, it's faith in. If you go back to what I just described about myself, I have long since said that I had a belief system that if I worked really, really hard, I mean, that was, that was kind of the foundational faith of my life was a faith in self, and God rebuked me at a high level for that in 2003, to tell you how long ago, and I still think about it. And it's still so central to me because God spoke to me in pretty clear terms, about as close to being audible as anything that he's ever spoken to me, was you have more faith in your ability to work than you do mine. And that one just stopped me in my tracks, and it's the answer why it's 4 a.m. It's the answer why it's the middle of the night, because my faith in, when I'm up during the daytime, I'm living in faith. Guess what? Faith in my efforts, faith in self, faith in workaholic, I can't hear God at that point. So it's faith in, and faith ends up being a huge piece uh, in terms of receiving, if my faith doesn't get transferred to the right directions, the right focus, now I'm in trouble. I was reminded that one of the first devotional thing I ever undertook was a play, uh, a booklet called The Secret Place. It was a daily devotional, and and it was a, a new venture for me to take a time and dedicate it to that. That's what I think 2 a.m. is to me. It's a secret place. Uh, I talk about it, but it, but it's a place reserved for God 
and I'm in attendance. And and uh, and today during our discussion in the, in the class, uh, another one came to me uh, because there are moments of silence that I mentioned earlier. And silence overtook us, carried each his chosen way. That's a, po- a, a lion, lion out of one of my poems. And, and that's what's in that moment. It's, yes, it is a moment of faith. It's where I, I set my agenda aside, set my ego aside, and wait upon the Lord. And, and in, in that silence, uh, my mind goes... But it goes, it's directed by God and not by me. Now, there's a moment-by-moment faith, and your faith varies at different points, different times in the day. And so you talked about the 2 a.m., the 4 a.m., where during the day, my faith is caught up in this, and I'm going this direction. And again, I'm not talking traditional stuff here. I'm not talking, well, belief systems, the Lord Jesus uh, he died for me, etc. I'm not talking traditional belief systems. I'm talking about spiritual function and faith and what I focus on, what I pay attention to. Focus ends up being a huge work. So if I'm focusing on something, I'm potentially, and I'm going to say probably, drinking in from that very thing. If I'm connecting with God, receiving from God, again, I'm pouring into me, I'm building me up, I'm not going to be traumatized, and trauma is, is the word that we're, we're talking about today. But there are moments that are powerful moments where something comes in and overwhelms me, and it becomes a trauma point. That ends up becoming very, very powerful because we're spiritual beings. Then a year later, five years later, ten years later, I'm at a moment where a spiritual trigger comes along and wakes that up. That thing wakes back up and takes me over in a way that it's just, it just, it, I'm drinking in from it. I'm receiving in from it. And this is not positive. This is like, shut me down, throw me to the ground type of a response of receiving. That's what happens a lot of times in, in people's lives. So I'm struck with the idea that our distractions become our tra- traumas, our, our things that, and, and let's face it, uh, in our society today, we're distracted by a little bit of everything and all the time. And, and what happens is we dwell in the distractions long enough that they become traumas because it's not an, it's, it may be a, a natural thing that we do. Uh, ego-wise and, and existence-wise, but the reality is spiritually, that's not a natural thing to do. I'm going to take that back to the PTSD. Once upon a time, that was pretty much war stuff. That was big stuff. That was huge stuff, and I would agree with you. It still is a war. It is a war, but where we are now, we're not connecting with God. We're not drawing strength. We're not building character. We're not building purpose. So it's weaker, 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 and so you're exactly right. Today we're into a zone of, well, I had this repetitive thing that happened in my life, which may not even be something that happened to me. It might even be something that I chose. I chose to worry at a high level. I chose to be distracted with this little thing. I chose to be distracted with this little thing. And all of a sudden, these distractions over a period of time actually can grow into 
a consistent state of trauma in the person, even though there's no identifiable trauma. I have chosen this profession, and I'm giving it all my attention. Oh, people go there. Absolutely. And it builds up, and it's a disaster, and it totally shuts down our ability to receive. Again, I, I, I love where some of these discussions go. We will take a break, and we will continue after a few questions. Silence overtook us, carried each his chosen way, rolling across the desert. Headed home, 8th May. Headed home the 8th of May. Yeah, that's been one thing that's... The, the, those little blurbs. Uh, and I think I mentioned the other day, I, I pulled up this sheet, and there were, I think, as I remember, six things that somewhere in the probably late 70s, I'd written down I wanted to do this, 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 and this. And that's what I've been doing. And I've, that was the first time I remember seeing that list since I wrote it. And, and it was kind of like, okay. I followed some, some direction at least. Yeah. Interesting for me, time management is like that. I'm compulsive enough, you've heard my description of the compulsivity, um, that if I do a time management sheet day by day, I just, I go psycho. It, it, yeah. it drives me. But if I put together a list for the week and I put it away, the vast majority of the time, by the end of the week, I've completed that list. And, and One's an obsession and the other one is direction. Yeah. You get the direction, you put it away, you... My world is a world of distractions. Mm -hmm. It's continually a world of distractions. So I can allow that to destroy me or I can roll with it. And yet I've got this thing at a subconscious level that was done and put away and really doesn't even exist on the front of my brain. And it's amazing how at the end of the week it, it actually tends to work out. So you can, you can make a, a list for a good reason. Uh, obsess on it, uh, which becomes your trauma, <laughs> and you miss the whole list, or at least a major part of it. Well, that's where faith really becomes the way I'm using it today. Faith becomes a huge piece because faith is that focus. Faith is that direction. It's faith in. I talked about that in the last segment. You don't have faith just kind of floating around here as an idea and a content, it becomes faith in, it becomes a focus. And once traumas have entered in, it changes the way I see life, it changes the way I see events, and it begins to control them. And unless I get healing, unless I turn around that trauma point, what happens is the influence of that trauma will tend to overtake more and more of my life until it becomes controlling, and I really have almost no chance of getting better. So faith is who you are and not what you do, necessarily. The way I'm using faith is, is almost like an action. It's almost like it is a 
it's an action point. It's, it's me doing something. It's me responding to life. It's not content. The way we normally hear faith, it's, it's a content or a belief system or, or, or something like that. But I'm talking about faith as in me interacting with life, and I bring my faith content to that point, and I'm looking at you, and I'm, I'm believing you're either going to hurt me or, or be positive or whatever. I bring a filter. I bring a perception to that thing. Then you've got message, which we talk about. It all ends up being kind of complex before it's all said and done. But a person who's been through traumas will bring those filters. They will bring that faith. They will bring this active thing into the interaction with the next event in life. And that trauma ends up almost completely controlling how the next event goes down. So when I said it's who you are, uh, that's a, to me, that's a, at, a, at, at the deepest level. You're, you're, it's a statement of what you believe, and, and so that's, that's why I believe it's who you are. And it's who, who you are is evidence, evidenced by how you deal with others and with, with yourself. And, and so it's the, the, we don't really, at many times we really don't know what we have faith in and, until you step back and take a deeper look at it. But it, it is evidenced by what we do in a, on a daily basis. We're all blind to self. We all think we have a faith system. We all think we have a belief system. But when life comes along, we find out what we really have faith in. And I'll, I'll use myself. I've spent all of these years thinking I had faith in God. And then 2003 came along and is like, oh, I have much more faith in me. And that has played out over and over and over again. Uh, the what last, a rude awakening. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it really does. And I, I'm <laughs> but, like, but thank God for awakenings. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so faith in. And I've got trauma points, and those trauma points are showing up. They're showing up partially because what's in me was not sufficient. Who I'm connected to was not sufficient. Those are the two key pieces. Am I connecting with God? Am I drawing strength from God? Am I connecting with godly people? Do I have a sufficient base? Do I have things inside of me? If those things are in place, then the things that could have been traumas don't end up being traumas. So that's where we go back to everything we've talked to up to now. Uh, am I connecting with God? Am I receiving? Am I building the spiritual foundations? Am I building the step-by-step? -step? If I'm building those things, far fewer things end up being traumas in my life. If I'm not building those things, all of a sudden traumas show up, and now I've got major stuff to try to deal with. So here's possibly a good question to ask. If I have faith in, do I walk in faith? Okay. Have to think about that one, huh? Yeah, I'm, I, I am but, having to think about that but, one. Well, it's kinda... if, if, I, if I truly believe in something, is the evidence there that because I'm walking, talking, living in that truth? If I have faith in, I, I think the way I'm going to respond to that, if I have faith in, it will be revealed. Well, that's, kind of, that's what I 
that was the intent of what I said. Uh, but we, we believe we have faith in, in lots of things and find out in the, in the, in the moment of, of truth that that's not the case, just like you described. You were a preacher. I was a preacher. Yeah, and found that out. And I found out real quick yeah. that I had far more faith in me. And how did I know that? Well, Problems. I'm, I'm going to rush right in and ask you how you old you were when that, uh, that just generally. Would, that would be like, uh, just a minute, let me get my head together. That'd be 45. So. 45 years you operated under the misconception that you had faith in God. You did, but not, but not the total. But not as much as I thought I did. Exactly, exactly. And that's, I think that's life. It's discovery like that. And, and when you do, what do you do with it? The alleged topic today <laughs> was trauma. And we really laid the foundation for why does trauma happen? You know, you've got the inner person, you've got the connections, the strength, you've got the faith, your actual faith, where it is directed instead of where you think it's directed and blindness. I want in the next program, uh, we'll go much more into the actual trauma itself. How do I, if I've had traumas, how do I start unwiring that? Because, you know, if receiving is the answer, I need to be able to get to a point of receiving. And we sure don't want to stay in a place where if a trauma shows up in my life, I'm just out of luck. We want to get to the point of, okay, the trauma is there. How do we unwire the trauma? So that's where we plan to go the next time, where we talk about the traumas and we talk about unwiring them so that I can get back to a point of receiving. Hope you've enjoyed it. And I hope you'll join us for Effective Heart Change next time. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.